Welcome to the QChat Business Podcast, hosted by the Quincy Area Chamber of Commerce in partnership with Town Square Media. Thank you for tuning in for episode two of the QChat Business Podcast. I'm Jared Jones, your host, membership and marketing manager at the Quincy Area Chamber of Commerce. Joining me today is Miss Latanya Brock, Executive Director, and welcome to our esteemed guest, Miss Debbie Reed, President and CEO of Chadock and its family organizations, which includes five independent nonprofit organizations. Debbie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, you know, getting to know you, Debbie, in a few minutes, can you just tell me about your career with Chaddock, how you got started and where you are now? Well, I've been with Chaddock for more than 26 years and actually started working with them long before I actually was employed by them. Um, when I first returned back to Quincy from um, school and living and working in St. Louis for a while, I had a marketing communications firm for five years and Chaddock was one of my clients. And I, as a uh, started to have a family. And here's the really funny part. I decided I wanted balance in my life. (laughs) Uh, And so as I was looking at opportunities, um, Chaddock had made a decision to add a director of marketing to to their leadership team and, and leadership in the organization. And so the very day that I called them about that was the day that they approved opening the position. So um, I am right where I'm supposed to be. And in my time at Chaddock, worked in marketing, um, worked in planning and special projects. I mean, seriously, can you think of a title that you can throw anything into? Um, <laughs> it would be director of planning and special projects. Um, and then uh, was COO for a period of time before I became CEO and have been doing that for a little more than 14 years. Wow. That's amazing. Debbie, so early, so I know a little bit more about you than Jared. Um, and the, the Debbie that I know, although you went there with the expectation of having balance in your life, I know at some point be, before um, you've been there many years that you had in your mind to become the CEO. Can you tell me when that point was? You know, I really didn't. It was more a commitment to the mission. And looking at, um, you know, I've been incredibly blessed to grow up in a family that was so supportive on so many levels and, you know, to, to whom much is given, much is expected. And the opportunity to support kids and families that might not have had some of the opportunities that I did growing up. And I just kept seeing ways to do that. And so uh, sometimes I, you know, raise my hand before uh, you you really think everything through. Uh, And so it was really about continuing to want to push the mission in new ways and looking at how can we do that? How can we build on the legacy that's already been left? Chaddock's been around since 1853, And so I really believe myself and all of us at Chaddock stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. Mm -hmm. And so more than a position being any kind of goal that I had, it was how can I use my gifts and graces to further this critically important mission that our organization has. Debbie, you know your phrase, um, to whom much given is is more is required. So who's given much? 
that much more is required. Sometimes that has frustrated me when you said that. For our listeners that don't know, um, I met Debbie day one when I came to Quincy. She actually interviewed me. I was one of the interviewees on the um, chamber, uh, part of the chamber board. And um, I remember, Debbie, how intimidated I was at that point um, and could not read you for the life of me. But that phrase you have had the opportunity to say to me more than once. Can you tell our listeners, what does that mean to whom much is given, much is required you know um, i really do think that um i'll throw out another one that i've used on you before you know service is the price we pay for the space we occupy and i have been blessed with a set of life experiences that i want to use those experiences to help others get to where they want to be um, maybe I've had some opportunities that others might not have had. So what can I do to create opportunities for them to be their best selves? And that's really, I grew up with that. That very much uh, was how I was raised. My entire family was raised. And I hope uh, uh, my husband and I have been able to raise our boys in that way, that giving back is a part of our values and expectations. And that looks different for different people. Absolutely. The way that I might be able to give back is going to look different than someone else. But I think even those who feel like they have to, uh, in the case of some of our kids and families, feel like they have to accept help and support, there are also so many ways that they can give back. And that's empowering to know that I have something that I can give an offer that maybe someone else can't in the same way. Spoken in only the way that Debbie Reed can say that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you talk about the the impact that you, what you have learned in your life has been able to be something that you have been able to offer to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me one person who has had a tremendous impact on your life and how and why did this person impact your life? What has it done for you today? Oh, that's Granddad Donley. Um, <laughs> and and um, the and the both of those phrases I just used were ones that I heard often from him. Um, I even look at um, some of those organizations that I've been very active in, believe strongly in 4-H. Um, there's a the uh, retreat house um, church camp. Um, certainly the, the work that I do at Chaddock, my grandfather was president of the board of Chaddock in the seventies. And the first time I became aware of Chaddock was at that time, he would occasionally on weekends, Chaddock boys would come out to, um, his farm. Um, and at that time it was just boys. And so that was my first exposure to Chaddock. And so, um, granddad Donnelly sits, sits, uh, pretty high uh set a very high bar and um you know he he continues to uh he and my grandma's picture sits in my office and just as as a reminder to um i have a responsibility to continue to give back um in ways that uh i can uniquely help people yeah absolutely wow wow (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that's a really you know it's very touching you know it's it's one of those things where 
when I, I think I, I first met you and I, I didn't approach you instantly because I, I think I was just a little uh, nervous in a way that I was just. I'm not that intimidating, no, guys. I'm really not. not. No, but I'm you're just, not intimidating, but you carry so much weight and presence as just yeah. a leader and someone that you don't want to take for granted when you're in their company and in their space. You don't want to. Take for granted that you could waste your time or um, anything like that. You want to make sure that if you, for me personally, I don't know what Jared will say, but for me personally, if I have your time and attention, I want to make sure that it's Debbie worthy um, and and not necessarily the intimidation, which I was truly in the uh, interview. Again, that's because I could not read you. I'm like, I don't know if she likes me or not. What is she thinking? Um, But there's just some people you meet, Debbie, that you don't want to waste their time because what they carry is so valuable um, and so rich. So uh, for me, that would be certainly why I would say that. And again, Jared, I'll throw it back to you. Uh, What are some of your thoughts around that absolutely you know i mean you you walk with you hold impact with what you say what you do everything you know it's a very i don't want to say strategic because it's not you know a strategic move it's just who you are so i think it's amazing you know thank you that's that's rather humbling um and i appreciate that well you know i i really haven't had the chance to fully experience you as a presenter yet um but i know that you have presented on various occasions regarding impactful topics Mm -hmm. can you name one of your favorite topics and two points that you look to drive home within that topic. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) One of the, uh, one of my real passions is talking about nonprofit, the nonprofit sector and how the nonprofit sector needs to be strategic, needs to be able to capture our impact. And yet it's not a matter of just being more business-like. We right. have to have clear business principles. We have to have clear accountability. We also have a different set of ground rules than the other sectors do. And I think sometimes nonprofits get sold short because people don't recognize some of the unique variables that impact the nonprofit sector. Now, I also am going to hold nonprofits to a very high standard uh, because the missions that we hold deserve our very best. However, it is unique. And I think not enough people appreciate or understand some of the nuances of the nonprofit environment. So I can talk about that all day long. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, coming into the, the, the chamber world, I would say the chamber profession, it's, it was something where I had no clue what I was, you know, getting into, but I know now that I am able to be as impactful as possible to, as many people as possible comparatively to, you know, just working somewhere else. So mm-hmm. it, it's a great opportunity. It's something mm-hmm. where I'm able to actually work with people and then provide uh, resources, help, anything that I'm able to in that way. So absolutely. Well, and it is for those leading in the nonprofit sector, it is a much more diffused power and diffused ability to influence because of the broad range of stakeholders that you're involved with, whether it's funders, whether it's, in your case, members, whether it is service recipients, whether it is donors or oversight bodies, all of those folks might have a different priority on what they think you should be doing as an organization. As a for-profit business, there's that bottom line Um, that that's a clear, common yardstick that people can use for a nonprofit organization. 
The bottom line is a measure of sustainability. It is not a measure of whether or not you fulfilled your mission. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. Debbie, you mentioned influence. I'm just curious. You've been asked to serve on many boards serve in many capacities. How do you determine when and how to use your influence and who to give that to? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, gut uh, is, <laughs> is uh, in terms of if I'm asked to serve on a board or on a committee and the, the mission or the possibilities or the potential really resonates with me, um, in a lot of cases, my gut is smarter than my head. So I have learned to, to listen to it. And so I think that is a part of it. But also I want to look at, do I have something unique to contribute that someone else um, might not be able to? Because if, if there is a table full of people who bring many of the same skills that I do, then maybe I can be more impactful somewhere else where there people don't have those same set of skills. And so I, there are multiple things that, that impact that, but I do think that um, it is it has to resonate with me, but also I want to know that I can contribute something unique that's really going to be of value to the organization. So you mean to tell me you just don't say yes to everything that's asked? I don't just say yes <laughs> to everything that's asked. Yeah. Not that I don't have guilt about some of the no's, but if I said yes to everything, I would be less effective at everything. Because if I'm going to say yes to something, I'm going to put my whole self into it. And I don't believe in doing things halfway. So I would rather say no than I'm, I'm not a seat filler. I'm not a resume builder. If I'm going to be there, I want to know that I'm going to be able to fully contribute and that my contribution will add to whatever it is that is trying to be accomplished. That's really good. At what point, Debbie, does... Because some people, when they're emerging as leaders, they have to be those seat fillers. And they have to be kind of in that space where um, saying yes is necessary more than saying no. At what point in our careers or your career does it happen when you can decide how to use your influence? Oh, I don't know that there's a single answer for that. Because I think some of that is personal. Some of that is professional. I think we have different seasons in our life. Uh, you know, when, when we first had kids and my, you know, my children are now grown and out of the home and, and successful adults in their own right. But, you know, when the kids were little, it was real clear that was my number one priority and no came really easily to things that would pull me away from that. I do think there's a chance, a, a period kind of mid career where you are exploring. And so you do want to try some different things. And maybe being on this board, I can connect with some people that I might not otherwise connect with and, um, you know, kind of expand some of my contacts and some of my knowledge of how other people are thinking. And I mean, I've learned a lot by watching people on boards or committees I was on. And so I think there are different seasons and different circumstances that I don't think there's a right answer. But again, I think if, if you take a minute and pause and listen to your brain think, it'll give you the right answer. So often we're moving so fast that we don't take the time to take a deep breath and reflect. 
And if you do that and it feels like the right thing, and so maybe at any given time you might be on, you know, uh, a whole handful of committees and boards. Maybe for that season, that's the right thing. And, but I think an instant yes or an instant no is probably not the best answer. Always take a chance. Even if you like Raj, oh yeah, I want to do that. Still take a pause and think about it because you have a certain number of hours in the day. And so if I'm spending hours here, that means I'm not spending hours somewhere else. And to really be conscious in choosing how you're spending that time. I feel like I'm in the mentor seat again, mentorship seat again, <laughs> or mentee. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I think it is, that kind of helps a lot with, you know, just what I'm thinking, what I'm going through being in this, the place that I'm at as a young professional or as someone who's. Uh, you know, able to work with the community and do the things that I'm able to do. So that really helps in that. You know, you mentioned that you, you've you been with Chaddock for the past 26 years um, and you've experienced many, many successes. Can you tell me and our listeners your top three accomplishments and what you're most proud of? Oh, gosh. I am very proud of how we've been able to extend our mission reach uh, during the time period that I've been there. It, we, we have grown a lot as an organization, but growth for growth's sake is a numbers game. But when I look at, we have been able to train or consult with professionals from five continents. You know, we have, um, you know, are in conversations, consultation with professionals from a hundred countries. We have extended there. We are not going to serve every child and family that needs support at 205 South 24th Street in Quincy, Illinois. However, if we can help others learn how to implement those strategies we found really effective, then our mission carries on far beyond what we do. Now, I think we can do a lot at 205 South 24th. Uh, My staff have many times heard me say, if Sam Walton can do it in Bentonville, Arkansas, we can do it in Quincy, (laughs) Illinois. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it it seems like you're doing more than impacting young lives and and families. You're impacting the people, your staff, as you Mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, you're helping these individuals learn from you, learn from each other, and then learn to grow outside of that. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that really... Really, I just I think it's amazing is your nonprofit leadership academy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're getting ready to start that. Um, can you tell us more about that? Why is the nonprofit leader leadership academy so important for our community? Well, I, I've already told you that's the helping people understand nonprofit leadership is an absolute passion project right. of mine. And it's something we've done internally at Chaddock for more than 15 years. Um, and I've done two external cohorts in the community, getting ready to start the third. And again, it's that extending the mission. If, if my experience and the, the learning that I've been able to do helps someone else better fulfill the mission of their organization, look at how the community benefits. And so, and, and there are very unique things. I, you know, certainly my own experience, I've got a lot of academic background in, in nonprofit leadership. And so if some folks can maybe leapfrog ahead by having the opportunity to have someone who's already hit the potholes and learned the lessons, give them some tips, then 
all of us as a community benefit. And so I'm really excited. The feedback from past ones has been very positive. And so the the chance to really expand the nonprofit impact in our community, I mean, it doesn't get a lot better than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. You know, one of these one of these questions that I wrote down here, I really wanted to know because it's it's chamber oriented, but it's also you know steered towards Chaddock, but it's also steered towards a lot of development along with that. So last year on December nineteenth, Chaddock hosted a business before hours, and during this event, you unveiled a book you co-authored. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us the name of the book and what a reader can expect to learn from this? Absolutely, uh, the book is called Raising the Challenging Child. And um, very excited. It has been very well received since uh, it was released. We did hit number one on Amazon. New releases in parenting (laughs) and number one in Christian families and relationships. But it was really came out of a lot of us at Chaddock. We work at Chaddock. We work with some children who are really struggling. But we also have raised our own families in the time that we were there. And so many of us have found the same strategies that work with kids and families that are really struggling are also very helpful just for Typical, uh, if there is such a thing, families. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember when when our boys were growing up, um, one of them, and those who know him will know which of my two children this is, used to say, are you using that Chaddock stuff on me? <laughs> well, I don't know. Is it working? Right. Um, and so we have taken some of the basic tenets that we use with our kids and families that have had a lot of trauma, a lot of attachment difficulties, and boiled them down into 30 lessons that any parent can use to strengthen their relationship with their child. I mean, raising kids is hard. No matter how amazing your kids are, it is still hard. And we used to joke, you know, you have to, like, pass a test to get your driver's license, but you don't have to pass a test to be a parent. And so we've uh, boiled it down to, to 30 lessons and tried to make it very easy to read. So, man, if I'm struggling with this right now, I can just go to that chapter. Um, we have tables, you know, maybe you've tried this. Instead, try this. Because some of the things that work really well with kids are kind of counterintuitive. And so, but we give examples of how it has actually worked with kids. And I'll let you in on a little secret. It also works with the grownups. So (laughs) don't think I don't use these lessons with the people I work with every day. And so it is, but to be able to, because, you know, I would love to work ourselves out of a job and have families connect well enough that there's not a need for a place like Chaddock. And that's probably not going to happen during my tenure. But if we can give tools to families that are just, whether it's just typical teenage struggles or, okay, is this normal? Is this not normal? If our book can help with that, then that's an important way that we can extend our mission as well. Absolutely. And can you tell our listeners, Debbie, in case they don't have a book, they may be the only one in Quincy that don't. Can you tell them how they can get a copy of your book? Absolutely. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, local booksellers, or you are welcome to contact Chaddock and, and we can get you a copy of the book as well. But it is, um, you know, 
Books is that's actually our the the second book that that we have out. Um, actually, the third book we have out. But it is so much of it is digital nowadays, and so the um, the opportunities to access and it is um, hardback. You can get it on um, a, a Kindle version. You can get an audio version. Uh, and you know, to make my commercial complete, um, you, we also have a study guide for Christian parents. The, the book itself, um, doesn't, um, you know, we're, we're a faith-based organization at Chaddock. It is a secular book, but we wanted to, uh, also put together a guide that's an eight week study guide. So it could be a study group, a Bible study can go through that and it connects the various lessons with scriptural teachings. And so folks that want to make that connect, that's available as a free download, um, on the book website so that anyone can access that. If that's something that they think would help expand the lessons, uh, in their lives. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I, didn't know this, but I, you know, and now that you mentioned and then doing a little bit of research, looking at your bio, looking oh. at everything, I'm like, <laughs> I, I got to know what's going on over there, you know? Uh, but with Chaddock being a faith-based organization, I didn't know that it was founded in 1853 by the Methodist Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have a strong commitment to the United Methodist Association. Mm-hmm. Can you tell our listeners more about your connection? The Chaddock has a Chaddock, a shared values and legacy with the United Methodist Church. We were founded by the United Methodist Church. We faith is one of our core values as an organization, and so I believe that you know you live that out every day, not by you know cramming. A, a certain theology down people's throats, but by living the gospel and how you interact with people every day. Absolutely. And so that is a core part of our value base at Chaddock. And you know, we have a chaplain, we have chapel services every week. We want to honor all of our kids' faith traditions. Some don't come with a faith tradition. We certainly honor that as well, but we're going to live our work at the organization um, with with those faith tenants as part of what drives our action and how we interact with people. The United Methodist Association is a national association of health and welfare ministries affiliated with the church. Okay, what's a health and welfare ministry? <laughs> um, it is children's homes, it's community service ministries, it's um, organizations for developmentally disabled, uh, seniors, hospitals, that all started with the United Methodist tradition. Um, a lot of human service organizations, colleges and hospitals in this country were actually founded by the Methodist church. Right. A lot of them don't necessarily have that connection as strongly anymore. Our organization does. And so the United Methodist Association brings all of those organizations together. Um, I was privileged to be able to serve as president of that association. Um, and very cool experience. They also have a an accreditation for faith-based human service organizations. It's called Eagle Accreditation. Um, and that really lives out that, you know, as a faith-based organization, we should be holding ourselves to a higher standard Absolutely. 
than uh, anybody else. And so that accreditation, which I've also been very involved with for a number of years, is really helps us set a high bar because if I want to serve as an example for others in how we do our work, then I better be providing the highest quality work possible. Absolutely. Standing strong to those core values. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Sounds like she's accomplished that balance, that life balance. Oh my gosh, that life balance is just outstanding. Wow. You know, so as we're closing, Debbie, can you give us one fun fact about yourself and one fun fact that most people may not know about Chadock? Oh, you know, I would say a fun fact that maybe not everyone would would hang out quite as freely as I do. Uh, but I am very proud of my roots, and I was a pork queen. Oh. And I could tell you more about hogs than you yeah. ever cared to know. That's awesome. Uh, and but that's that is part of that, you know, owning and claiming your heritage and being proud of where you came from. Um, I have deep farm roots and, um, that's, a so that I don't shy, although I have gotten lots of interesting comments, um, from people who know that, um, not something I shy away from, um, all those experiences help shape me uh, to getting to where I am today. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, I want to thank you very much, Debbie, for joining us today. You know, Debbie is currently completing her PhD in organizational leadership, Another one of those balancing things. I'm not sure how you're able to juggle all of this, but congratulations. And Debbie, I wish you continued success on your journey. Thank you for being the epitome of a leader's leader. And as an emerging leader, it lets me know that you can never stop learning. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And thank you to Town Square Media, our partner in making this all happen. 